Good Sunday, Northgate. It's time to get into God's Word this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would bless your Word. May it speak to our hearts. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you for what you do. Put our eyes on you. Just work this morning. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So this week in our reading, one of the books we're working through is the Gospel of John. And in John chapter 6, I was drawn to a very familiar story and wanted to take a little bit of a closer look, a deeper look at what God might say to us through the story of Jesus and the feeding of the 5,000. In John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. So let me take uh, look at those and read them to you this morning. It says this, After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great number followed him, because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. Verse 3, And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Verse 6, but this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciple, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. And those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This truly is the prophet who is to come into the world. Yeah, the feeding of the 5,000. There's the feeding of the 4,000 and the feeding of the 5,000. Interesting in, enough, it is the only miracle other than Christ's resurrection that is mentioned in all four Gospels. John doesn't usually record some of the same things as Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but here he does, and he gives us a little bit of a different spin on it. He gives us some names and some statements which help us out. But it says, after these things in John 6, what were these things? What was going on? How did we get here to the point of Jesus feeding those 5,000? Well, it says clearly in Luke 9, uh, when it talks about this story, that the disciples had just returned from being sent out. Remember, Jesus sent them out together to do the work of the kingdom of God of ministry. And they were tired when they returned. And it says that Jesus took them into a deserted place privately that belonged to the city of Bethsaida. 
in Mark 6.31, it says, Come aside by yourselves to this deserted place and rest a while. So they weren't really in at all a urban location, rather a rural location. They were looking for rest. Jesus wanted to help them. They were tired. And also in Matthew 14, we learn that Jesus was dealing with his own emotions. He was dealing with his own um, needing of rest. Just hearing the news, it says in Matthew 14, that his cousin John the Baptist was beheaded and he had departed as well to this de deserted place and then probably grabbed his disciples so hard. They needed to be with God. They needed to rest, dealing with emotions, dealing with, we could say, ministry problems, family problems, just dealing with life, hard news, challenges. And just from that, I want to say clearly that we all need rest. We all need to be with the Lord we all need time where we can energize ourselves with him and process all that's happening with him. And Jesus gives us this example continually, going to be alone, going to be with the Father, praying secretly, whether it's all night or in the morning, before others had awakened, or even here going to this deserted place. And he was teaching his disciples in the midst of all the needs all the issues of this world, we need to spend time with God to know how to handle them, how to, to rest with him. But as we read the stories, sometimes we have good intentions to rest and spend time with the Lord. But it says clearly in some of those gospels that these multitudes of people followed him. They followed him because they had seen his signs, which he's performed on those who were diseased and, and those who uh, needed help. And they had heard his teaching. So they realized they couldn't find Jesus or the disciples. And they had probably inquired and they knew where they were. And it says they followed to this deserted place to find Christ. They were seeking something too. They weren't seeking rest. They were just seeking to be healed and taught they were seeking to find help in Jesus Christ. And Jesus, in Matthew 14, 14, the ultimate shepherd, it says, had compassion on them as they come this great number, as sheep without a shepherd, it says in the Gospel of Mark. And that is the story of Jesus so often, that there's so many needy people in his time, and I would say in our time, but he sees them and has compassion. Isn't it great that we can always go to Christ, that he's always ready, that even in the midst of seeing his life and how busy he was, he always had time for people. And our God, the same for us as we go to him. And that, that lesson too, that as he had compassion on people with needs, so do we need to have the same compassion even at times uh, when it's not easy, when it's difficult, yes, we need to rest. I'm not saying we're not supposed to do that. But at the same time, we need to be driven with the heart of love that Christ had with this compassion for other people. And praying this week, you know, as they come and he's going to feed them food because he was sad for them because they came out and didn't have food and he was teaching them all day. 
I wouldn't think in our day and age, in our time, in our community, I know hunger is a need, but it's not the greatest need. People were desiring to be healed, taught and fed in that time because they didn't have as much food as us. They didn't have a grocery store. Um, there was really a lack then, and especially where they were. But as people were broken, then they're broken now. There are people who need Jesus. They need healing mentally, relationally, even physically. But just understand, they didn't have a hospital back then or doctors. But I think in our day and age, you know what? It's more emotional. And we see it around us, even in this season of loneliness and fear and lack of relationship. These are the issues that we're living in. So much pain. I think I just heard in the news that there's more cases of drug addiction and overdose in Lanark County than ever before. It's an epidemic of sorts where we live. And all of that is coming because there's broken people and there's challenges. But the good news in the midst of that brokenness and pain is we have a God. And his example is in Jesus Christ in the flesh who is open always to have compassion on people in the midst of all the needs that are around us. You know, I really believe that people are seeking, and we often hear, oh, it's so hard to engage people, but people are seeking, they're seeking in many ways. There's so many industries that are thriving, that aren't God-driven. Whatever that looks like to people, self-help, help industry, or you just name it, uh, addictive behavior, so many different things. And people are trying to find answers because the harvest is plentiful. Do you hear me? The harvest is plentiful. And people, if they would see the work of God, would certainly inquire. Maybe not for the right motive. Would it be an opportunity for them, though, to hear the truth. There is so much need. Praise God for his compassion and may we have the same compassion. And as we continue, well, how was the problem solved? Well, obviously Jesus healed and taught and he needs to feed them, but it seems like an impossible situation. 5,000 people, nothing really to feed them. And yet Jesus in verse five in what we read is testing Philip. I love it because I think sometimes Jesus has a sense of humor. And he says to Philip, where are we going to buy bread for this many people to eat? Philip, maybe he was the numbers guy, but he quickly calculates in his head to the cost that he thinks it should be, 200 denarii. He goes through that. And in Mark and in Matthew and Luke, Jesus even says to all his disciples, give them something to eat. And yet they had nothing. Again, why Philip may be good with numbers. We learn in John 1 that he himself was from Bethsaida. Maybe he knew some of the people. Maybe some of them were family. Maybe Jesus was making a point thinking that he would be familiar and he would know. Thus he thinking. Remember, he was tested that he would have a solution to something in his own strength. But Jesus was trying to show them something without dependence upon him, without his power. There's no chance to meet all the needs that are around us. First, we need to open our eyes. We have to have compassion. 
We need to see what Jesus sees. But then we have to understand to meet the needs of people, it's nothing we can do in our own strength or dependence on our own ability. As they would say, there's no way we can raise this amount of money, whether that was someone's one year's worth of salary wouldn't feed that many people. There just wasn't enough. And Jesus, I think, is trying to prove a point that in our own strength, not turning to him, not his strength, not his work, we can never meet all those needs that are around us, all that brokenness. And as people are looking and the harvest is plentiful, if we turn to Christ and say, God, what can you do? How can we use your power? What do you want us to do? Instead of our thinking being on our own, we ask him, we think through him. We ask him to direct our thoughts, but it's not dependence upon ourselves or I or our ability. I guess I've learned this lesson over and over in ministry that I can't really do anything in my own strength. I can't change people. I can hardly change myself. I can't even do that without the power of God. We so desperately need Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to truly minister to the needs that are around us, to the harvest that is there. It's that season when you're driving on the road, oftentimes we see the hay rolled up and baled. And it always reminds me when I see that, that, oh man, the harvest is so plentiful. Lord, help us. We can't do it. But you want to bring that in your heart is for the broken. That's where you have compassion. You came for the sick. Well, what can we do? Well, the word of God then brings forth Andrew uh, here in the story in John. And what does Andrew do? He finds this young lad with five barley loaves and two fish. And commentators will tell us, even as I read this week, that barley was probably the cheapest form uh, of a loaf that they could find. It wasn't fine wheat. There wasn't much of it. It was probably small and two little fish. But yet Andrew, who's always bringing people to the Lord, as you read through scripture, Andrew is Peter's brother. He brought Peter to the Lord. And later on with Philip, he brings Greeks to the Lord. He's always simply bringing what there is and bringing people to Christ. And that's a lesson for us. In what we do as we give it to the Lord in dependence upon him, what is there that we have that we can give that he can use for his glory? You know, the word of God says, do not despise the day of small things. Do not despise the day of five loaves and two fish. Because God wants to work and he wants to use and he wants to expand his kingdom through what we have and what we're doing in our desperation and our dependence upon him. I can remember times in my life in ministry and outside of ministry as, as they need a rest or thinking whether it was in need of a, a home to stay in when we moved here and trying to do it in my own strength. And it was a disaster. I remember I was about to buy a three bedroom house with one bathroom and I would have been stretched. I couldn't even done that. And gracefully, the Lord stopped that in my life. And he had something better as I would learn to trust in him and that he would provide. But he had to break me of myself and 
me figuring out in my mind, instead of turning to him and waiting and being dependent, that he had the place to meet our needs as I would trust him. And that's so exciting to me because I believe where I live is handpicked and it's where we meet on Sunday. And God even knew that there would have to be church here in this season. And God was so good and in his power, he had it all figured out. As I slowly learned to be dependent upon him, but all the pain and the brokenness of trying to do it myself and being tired and the ups and downs. Oh, can we learn to trust the Lord and then just give him who we are as we have compassion and pray for the needs the little that we have and say, Lord, take it and multiply it. In Jesus, taking the little, our little offering, give thanks and he expands it to meet those needs that we talked about. You might say, well, I have nothing to give. And I would say, I think you do. It might not be everything you think it needs to be, but whatever that is, whether it's your prayers, whether it's your time, whether it's your energy, your resources, big or small, it doesn't matter. God wants to take us and use us to meet the needs of our community, our neighbors and our co-workers, our friends, by simply bringing them to Jesus and offering him our gifts and our abilities. You know, I've been thinking and praying again in this season, so many people need the Lord. And again, it's so big. And how can we do that? And I was thinking, boy, fellowship to meet people's needs who are lonely. I was thinking of more opportunities. And I thought, wow, only if we had a big building and people are thinking I was crazy in the midst of COVID building. We don't meet in buildings. But anyways, I had this crazy dream of building a big building. And maybe someday we will. And not for the purpose of just Northgate, but to minister to the community. Just this dream and this vision where people's needs can be met in regards to counseling and prayer and fellowship and a community to come and youth to have fun and grow in and even maybe for some adults to play a little ping pong. And, and I thought it all, oh, someday, someday, if we have a bigger building, definitely not in love with Feral Hall, but I can't do that. We don't have that. And I can remember praying one day, Actually, and I think the Lord spoke to me very clearly. Don't worry about what you don't have. The question is, what do you have to offer me? And at that point, that's when the vision was birthed in my mind to go to our landlord at Feral Hall and say, are you using two rooms in the back? And it just happened, the Knights of Columbus were there who had moved out. And I just felt the Lord say, what ministry were you thinking you could accomplish in something you don't have, that you could use the space you have now. I would almost say that, that it was the five loaves and two fish. So as people began to pray and we pursued and we asked and people began to work together and brought their loaves and fishes and they painted and they had vision and they had thoughts that this reality is coming forth. And I believe that God's going to use that to minister, that we would see people healed as they're prayed for, that we would see people taught as we do Bible study, that we would even see people in times of fellowship and community, yes, and even ping pong. 
And I know that's a little bit of a joke, but I only tell the story to excite you, no matter where you are or who you are, that God can use you and you see needs and you wonder, but what is it? What are your loaves and what are your fish that you can bring to the Father, that he can give thanks for you and your heart and expand that for his kingdom? You see, in the hands of God, he's going to multiply and multiply, and I believe that with all my heart. And so there will be time when there will be excess, and we will collect because our God is generous. Our God is good when he feeds. There's so much, and he wants to meet the needs, and I believe there'll be extra that other people, even from not our community, can come and grow and glean from what God wants to do as he uses all the churches for the kingdom of heaven and all they have not just Northgate. We want to see a work, a supernatural work as we see with the feeding of 5,000 where people are just saying, here is what I have. I'm taking it to Christ, not in our strength, but depending upon him, knowing the needs, being directed by him. Praise God. That's what we desire, isn't it? May we live like that today and this week. Be encouraged. Our God is a miracle worker. He takes and uses us broken vessels and what we have for his kingdom. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks. We give you praise today. Lord, we don't want to do anything in our own strength. We don't want to think that it's impossible. For you say in your word, with you, with Christ, with God, all things are possible for those who believe. Lord, we know there's many needs and we pray for the needs in our community, the brokenness, the pain, relationally, mentally, emotionally, Lord, physically. Lord, would you meet those needs? Would you expand your grace and your goodness? Would you have compassion upon Lanark County for your kingdom? And Lord, like Andrew, we, we bring what we have, we bring and encourage what we see in others. God, use it for your glory. Use it for your kingdom. We pray all of this in your precious name. Amen. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye!